What's up, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, your home for all things D-line play. Thank you for tuning in today on this last day in November. And our last episode before we take a break during the month of December and recharge, spend time with family, and of course, gear up for season three. I guess, I guess I'm calling these things seasons now. Uh, anyway, season three of KYPD, which of course is going to be awesome. We have some great things lined up for the podcast in 2021, outstanding interviews that I'm really, really looking forward to sharing with you guys. So if you're just now finding us, you'll have some time over the next month or so as you drive to grandma's house. Uh, well, maybe you won't be driving to grandma's house this year, but uh, you, know, you have some time while you're traveling back and forth uh, to go visit family, to check out all of our previous 86 episodes, and then check back in with us in January when we start back up with season three, episode 88. And speaking of seasons, our football season here at Pleasant Grove came to an end this Friday afternoon in the third round of playoffs against a very gritty uh, Caddo Mills team. Game was back and forth all afternoon, and we actually scored to take the lead with just over a minute left. And then with about 30 seconds left, their QB scrambled from our 25-yard line and took it all the way to the end zone for the go-ahead score uh, and giving them the lead with about 20 seconds left. So. It was a, a brutal way to go out, but, but hats off to those guys and to that kid especially. Uh, it was a tough, tough loss, but uh, I'm still proud of our kids and our program and, and what we accomplished this season. And I know that there are guys listening whose teams didn't even get to play this season. So I do realize that we are very fortunate to have gotten a full season in this year. Uh, we missed one game due to COVID, and it really wasn't even because of an outbreak within our program. It was you know something uh, going on with our opponents. So uh, you know, still very blessed, and and you know now we start the uh, we start the long road of preparing for the 2021 season. So uh, anyway, and and that is where this podcast comes in. Our goal here is to to help coaches like you get better on and off the field, and we'll do that again today with an outstanding guest that we have lined up, an Eastern Kentucky defensive line coach, Jeremy Hawkins. Now, coach Hawkins is originally from America's Georgia where he played at America's High School and won a state championship in football and track. Coach Hawkins went on to play college football at Troy University, where the Trojans won four Sunbelt championships in a row and also got to the team's first bowl victory in school history in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, coach was chosen as Eastern Kentucky's defensive line coach in January of 2020. Uh, in 2019, he was a defensive line coach at Mercer University. Before that, in 2018, Coach Hawkins served as the Assistant Director of Player Personnel at LSU and helped the Tigers to a 10-3 record and a spot in the Fiesta Bowl. Coach Hawkins served as the Assistant Defensive Line Coach and Director of Player Personnel at Alabama-Birmingham during the 2015, 16, and 17 seasons. And in his final season, the Blazers went 8-5 and, and earned a spot in the Bahamas Bowl. During the 2014 season, Coach Hawkins was the Head Coach and Defensive Coordinator at Middle Georgia State College. Before that, he was a defensive line coach at Dublin High School in 2012 and 2013. Coach began his full-time coaching career at the, as the running backs coach and tight ends coach at the University of Central Oklahoma during the 2011 season, which followed a, a stint as a graduate assistant at his alma mater there at Troy. Today, Coach Hawkins and I get into building relationships with players, his insights on recruiting, his journey through the coaching ranks, and his favorite aspect of defensive line play to coach. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into episode number 87 of KYPD with Coach Jeremy Hawkins.
excited to be joined by Coach Jeremy Hawkins today. Coach Hawkins, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. Um, doing a heck of a job. I listened to the last podcast you had, so just I'm excited about it. Cannot wait to get started here. Well, yeah, I'm glad we got this in. I had a little bit of issues last week with my voice. You know, coaches all you know, know all about that. You know, our voices are are uh, a, a, a priceless commodity, and when those things go out, it's hard for us to function. But glad we're getting this in, uh, Coach. Now you're originally from Georgia, and, and you're now coaching defensive line there at Eastern Kentucky. So let's just begin with you filling in the gaps for us and tell us a little about your background. Born and raised in America, Georgia is a small town. Um, played football there, won a couple of state championships at America's High School. Um, had an opportunity to get a, a, a couple of offers, so I got quite a few offers, and I chose Troy University. Um, went to Troy University, played ball there from 2005 to 2009. Um, after my playing career, did a little arena ball. Um, to see a field and that didn't quite work out. Blew my knee out in a pickup basketball game. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, ended up doing, uh, working in a youth detention center for a year and heck, left there and went to um, back to Troy as a grad assistant for a semester. Um, after that, I left Troy and went to University of Oklahoma as a running back and tight ends coach. I had no clue. What I was doing, coaching, running back to tight ends. I never played a position, never did anything with it. Um, but I had some good advice from a good coach, Coach Coach Beckles. He's now the running backs coach at Middle Tennessee. And he helped me out. And I, I kind of just, you know, regurgitated what he did and all his drills. And, and I did that as a running back coach. And, and the tight end kind of just came, came along as it went. You know, it was one of those deals. I had to come in there early and learn the whole system. It was a spread system. And I did that and ended up having an All-American running back and an all-conference tight end. So tight end actually played in the NFL for quite quite some time, maybe four or five years. He's retired now and he's living a good life. Um, but I had an opportunity to do that. And, I, you know, I'm not from Oklahoma. So I'm from Georgia, like you said. And I had to try to find a way to get back in the South. So I did that and took a high school job um, at, at Dublin High School in, in middle Georgia there. And was there for for two years uh, until I took the head coaching job at Middle Georgia State College. Um, after I left Middle Georgia State College, I, you know, had a couple of interviews and got an opportunity to, to to get connected with Coach Bill Clark over there at UAB and learn from that entire staff and, and try to you know get my name out there and make a name for myself. And that's kind of what I did. We had top fifty recruiting class without any facilities, without a football team. Um, we were re rebuilding. Um, UAB's football team. So, you know, it, it was kind of difficult because you don't have your product is the team. Your product are the, are, are the players. Or, or the, your product is the university itself. Your product is the facilities, the, the, the stadium. And you know, we didn't have, you know, any of that stuff that was, you know, up to par. You know, so right. we had a facility that was an old facility and stadium is Legion Field, as you know. And, you know, they're, they're getting a stadium finished as we speak right now to be done for the 2021 season. And the facilities are brand new um, ever since the 2017 season started. So we had to build from ground up. So we, we actually went through two years of not playing any football. We just practiced, scrimmaged, and, you know, um, kind of molded those guys together. Um, after I left there, I, I took a position at, at LSU to kind of better enhance my career to get around the right people, you know, like a Dave Aranda, a Corey Raymond, and heck, Ed Ogeron. Um, those guys are 
are great coaches. They got great names for themselves in this coaching business. Uh, Mickey Joseph, uh, man, I can go on and on about the guys that I worked with at LSU. And I was able to to, to switch that recruiting class around. You know, it's, it's crazy that I say that because it's, it's LSU, and you think that LSU is, you know, always top five in recruiting. Now you look at it these last two years, that's kind of where they're at. But when I got there, they were 15th in the nation um, the prior two years. That's not good for LSU. So uh, when I left there, I left them in the top five, and they finished the top five recruiting class um, in 2018-19 season. So um, had opportunity to help get Joe Burrow there. Had opportunity to get a lot of transfers there that, that helped us out a lot. You know, and if they won a national championship the year I left, and that's I went to university. I mean, went to Mercer University as the D line coach in 2019, and you know. Went into a situation where I, I didn't quite know it was, you know, as grim as it was, but I had to get on the field as a coach, and, and I wanted to coach. Period. And I was director of player personnel at LSU, and I wanted to be the, I wanted to be a defensive line coach. Period. And, and, and coach, coach, coach Ogeron, he knew that. Coach O knew that. He helped me out with a lot of different situations. He made phone calls for me, and people were able to call him and kind of talk to him about me. Um, that's what I did. Took that job over there at Mercer, and Things didn't go quite as well as we wanted to, and it was a, a situation that was already kind of kind of grim. And we ended up winning four games, and my D line played pretty well, but that wasn't good enough. And head coach got fired, and when the head coach gets fired, uh, you know all the assistants used to get fired too. So that's what happened. And now I'm, I'm thankful that I was blessed to get the opportunity at Eastern Kentucky University, D line coach here, and heck, we just you know won our first bowl game. <laughs> Uh, an opportunity bowl at, at EKU here and trophy and rings and these guys are, are, are champions and going to continue to build from that. So excited to be on that right now. I want to go back and talk about something that, that I'm always fascinated when I talk with college coaches, uh, just always fascinated talking recruiting with those guys because it's just a, it's a, it's a, 24-7, 365 day of the year job uh, for college coaches, you know, recruiting and, and looking at film and evaluating players and, and you talk about being in two really challenging situations, one at UAB where you really have nothing to show the kids when you bring them on campus. They're, I mean, it's like you said, you're building something from the ground up. And then you go to LSU and you think, well, you got everything there. Just get a kid on campus and you're going to sign them. But those kids you're bringing on campus are also going, you know, looking at Alabama and, you know, the Texas's of the world, Georgia's, those types of schools. So just talk about the challenges at each, each one of those places, the challenges in recruiting, both at UAB and at LSU. I think at, at UAB, the challenge was also kind of the, um, I guess, thing that helped us too. Knowing that those kids were coming in and knowing that they were the ones that were going to put their hands in the cement, the wet cement, and, and, and kind of sign their name. You know, this is you building this this foundation. This, this is you building this, this program up to what it's going to be. You know, we're bringing you in because we think you can be the, the face of building this program and making history of, you know, a team being, you know, completely shut down to, to now we're playing football. And heck, that's kind of what happened. You know, we, we got some really good, you know, transfers, some really good JUCO transfers, some some bounce, bounce backs from Power Fives, and some good high school kids. And we, and we had a nucleus of kids from all over the place. We had a, a teacher from Australia. We had players from California. We had players from Georgia. We had players from all over. And, you know, 
know, we brought those kids together. And, and, and I think the, the downfall helped us, you know, uh, basically recruit these kids and let them know that this is fresh. This is brand new. Now, you can go to a, you know, Alabama. You can go to a, let's say, an ECU that's already established. They already got the stadium. They already got everything done. And, you know, you, they, they got the history book. And it's already kind of been, you know, cemented. It's already done. I mean, cement is dry. But here's the minute where you can make a name for yourself and you can be great for it. And, you know, when, when you leave here, you're going to have your name in the record books from, you know, from ground up, you know. And when I go to LSU, the record books are already, it's already cemented. These guys are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a prestigious university. university. Um, it's, it's so many people that have been through LSU that have been very successful at the next level. Or have been successful at LSU and are all back coaching there now. And I, I mentioned some of those guys like Corey Raymond. He, he played at LSU. He was a, he played in the NFL for quite some time. Um, coach, Coach Insminger, uh, Steve Insminger, the, the, the offensive coordinator. He played quarterback at LSU. Now he's the offensive coordinator now. So guys like that have already kind of cemented their names into um, the history and the record books at LSU. So. Going at going to LSU, all I needed and all I wanted to do was enhance everything that, that that they have. Like you said, you go on that campus, it's a beautiful campus. You know, you you go to that stadium. I mean, good gracious, I mean, um, it's it's ridiculously just just great. You know, the facilities are great. Um, they just actually got uh, updated their facilities, so it's even better now. So the thing is for for, for me. I wanted to build relationships at LSU um, in that recruiting class. So what I did was I made sure those guys actually, you know, communicate with each other, not just, you know, coaches talking to them. You know, I made sure that was a consistent line of communication with all coordinators, all assistant coaches, and, you know, group chat, you know, group FaceTime, you know, conference calls with these guys on the phone. We had power hour, and that kind of was a, a deal with Coach O that he, he loved to do. You know, we have a good full hour just getting guys on the phone, getting coach on the phone with guys and talking to them. So the challenges, challenges there was just, you know, you got to beat Alabama, period. You got to beat Alabama, you got to beat Georgia. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what we did. Heck, that year we beat Georgia in LSU. They were ranked number two in the nation and they came in, you know, you know, pretty high on, on, the, on, on the recruiting board as well because they do a great job. Kirby Spartan's a great coach and they do a great job over there. And I know a lot of those coaches over there. They do a heck of a job, but you know, we, we you got to beat Georgia in recruiting. You got to beat them on the field first, and we did that. We beat them on the field, and we, you know, and we felt like we we could compete with them in the recruiting. You know, it's it's been times where they came in our backyard in Baton Rouge or in New Orleans and tried to pick a pick a couple players, and you know, a couple of them they got, and the ones that we wanted, we we, we kept at that time. So, you know, you, and when I say you got to beat Alabama, heck, they just beat them last year, but. You know, things didn't look so good that year when we played them. You know, we, we lost 29 to nothing. So, but in the same token, the challenges were just to make sure that we enhance everything. We make sure those kids understand that the, the history of LSU. And we made sure we recruited our backyard. You know, kids in Baton Rouge, kids in New Orleans, um, in, in, the, in the Baton Rouge area, 30, 30 mile radius. Those kids, we wanted to keep them at home. We got some heck of a player there in, in Louisiana, so we wanted to keep them there and make sure we put a put a wall up around um, that that area. Absolutely, you talked, you mentioned a second ago about 
how you wanted to, to start building relationships with those recruits there at LSU. You know, talk about your process for recruiting kids to your school, you know, whether it be uh, when you're at LSU or at UAB or even now at Eastern Kentucky. Now, how do you go about building relationships with those guys, with their coaches, you know, and, and that'll, that, that process? You actually got to just care about them. I mean, I mean, when it comes down to it, like, like I just stated, it's about relationships. You actually got to talk to those coaches. I know um, we, we brought a linebacker in from Alabama, and uh, we, we beat a couple, you know, big-time schools on them. And that head coach that I talk to almost every other day, you know, even if it's just a text, you know, how to practice go or, you know, um, just checking up on you, seeing how you're doing, everything's good, you know, that type deal. Just being being genuine, you know, being real with them, um, that helped us out in the long run, you know. Um, so it, re recruiting is, for me, is not that difficult when it comes down to just being honest and, and, and you know, open with, with all recruits, with, with the coaches, head coaches, position coaches, the teachers, with moms, with dads, with aunties, uncles, grandmas, grandfathers, you know, building that relationship by just being genuine with them. Now, I'm a genuine person. Uh, I'm gonna shoot you straight. Whatever I do, I'm gonna you know, make sure that you understand. I'm a I'm a real person. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and recruit it. If your kid is number one on our board, and I'll tell you that if he's heck, if he's you know number ten on our board, and, and if he wants to know that, he, he's gonna know that. You know, look, hey. I understand you want to commit, all right? But right now we got to slow things down just a tad bit. Look, this is how recruiting works, all right? We get we got ten guys, and I'll tell the kids we got ten guys on this board that we want. Right now, nobody's committed. Man, we love you, we do, and 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 I want you to know that I don't want you to think that because I won't let you to commit right now that we don't love you. This is a part of the process, and I want you to understand the process. And I would tell them like some guys, I'm not going to tell you this. But I can guarantee you, every school in the SEC does the same as that. Does the same as that thing. We do it that way. We have to. It's the only way you can recruit. You, know, you got to have ten to fifteen guys on that board to get one or two. So, and I'll tell them that to be honest with them. And, and I think that they fell in love with that me being real with them. And the parents like, okay, well, I never. That's crazy. I never heard that before. Like, yeah, that's what it is. You can ask around, you know. And I and I'm always honest with those, with my recruits, with the parents, with anybody that needs to know. And I'm open and honest. And I'm and I'm. Just genuine with recruiting. I'm not gonna lie to you about anything. So I, I felt like me being genuine and having that type of relationship with those recruits and the, and the family and, and the coaches kind of kind of help you know help me you know build that class up. So once you get the guys on campus, those guys that you want, you have a recruiting class together. You know you've landed all your guys. They're on campus. You know your work's not done. How do you go about building relationships with those guys? You know, getting them to buy into the team culture, and then in turn, now they become your better, your best recruiters for your upcoming classes. You know, how do you start building the relationships with those guys? It starts before they even come on campus. Um, we 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 meet with everybody that has anything to do with any on-campus visits. If that's the training staff, if that's the equipment manager, if that's the strength and conditioning coaches, if that's the uh, the doctors, um, you know, um, donors, or whatever the case may be, we actually, I, I will actually have a PowerPoint, you know, and, and, and explaining to them who this kid is. I would go from detail to detail to detail to detail, talking about this kid's personal life. And then at the end of that PowerPoint, I'll let them see some films, not a lot of clips, maybe five to 10 clips of this kid doing something really good so that they can have a conversation with the kid individually 
when he comes to walk around the, the facilities and he walks around the school and I would have professors in there that we that that kid is, you know, looking to major in. So now that professor knows exactly who that kid is. Not just he's just not a it's just not John Blow. You know, it's it's John Blow that I know John Blow very well. You know, I, I know his mom, I know his dad, I know his life I know his life, I know his situation. So when they when those kids go around that campus, you know, everybody's a champion. Everybody understands this kid very well. They know him like the back of their hand, you know, and they can have an easy conversation with him and that's in sports. I wanted to feel real homely. So that's kinda of what we did and it's kinda of what I did. That's kinda of what I do in recruiting. To get those kids when I get those kids on campus, I want them to feel like they're at home. Yeah, that's great. That's a great idea, and and I love the the idea of getting all of your su support staff together and and getting them all on the same page because that is that is uh, so important. You know, you hear stories of of guys going and they get turned off by some of the smallest things, right? Like maybe someone, you know, gave them a, a bad look or didn't. They just got a bad feeling from somebody or someone in the support staff just sort of ignored them. And and I think that you know getting everybody on the same page is is really a smart move and and key to to really, you know, allowing those kids to feel comfortable and feel like they're they're wanted by by that school, by that program. No doubt, no doubt. You had to be a, and I'm talking you personally, had to be a just a, a master in motivation because you've you've had to coach guys through some really difficult situations. Again, talking about you know building a program at UAB, you're, you're practicing for two years and not playing games, and now you're in a season or we're in a season, and you guys just finished up a season where the things were very uncertain. Uh, and and you just didn't really know what was going to happen from one day to the next. So how do you motivate your guys, especially in seasons like this one, when things are so uncertain? Well, I make sure you know, like like I feel like I had a relationship with my recruit. It's, it's not for show, you know. I, I had that same relationship with my players. If I'm recruiting you and you, you're coming to play for me, I want to build that same type of relationship with you, where. I can build intrinsic motivation into each one of my players. You know, they're 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 motivated from within, which is built from having a coach that's motivated from within. That's built from having a coach that's went through a lot in his life, that's lost both of his parents, that's lost both sets of grandparents, and a, and a lot of a lot of family members. You know, at a young age in, in life, you know, in, in general. You know, and, and while while I was playing football, I lost my mom my sophomore year at Troy University and had to deal with that and had to become motivated again and again and again after losing another another loved one. I had to become motivated in life and I had to become motivated with football and class and all, and all that. So I feel like, you know, that helped me, that molded me, that motivated me to be who I am right now. And the coaches that I had at that time helped me to 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 get motivated to 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 make sure that I was you know on point in the classroom and, and on the field. So I I I went through so much in my time and in, in in life before I even became a coach that it's it's it's, it's built it's built me to be you know what I need to be for my players to motivate them through this type of situation. So it was with COVID you know going COVID nineteen happening and, and, and this pandemic and everything that's going on with it. You know, and, and everything else is going on in the world right now is so much um, that these kids have to deal with mentally. So uh, I always get my kids in my office and I just talk with them, have, have casual conversations. I let them vent. Uh, we, we joke, we laugh, we talk. We they need to 
event that convenes and needs to just, you know, just come in and just sit and just watch some football. We watch some football together and we talk some ball. You know, those little things go a long way, you know. Having a casual conversation with your player goes a long way. And they actually, when they know they, that you care about them, they'll play their tails off for you, you know. But you really got to care about it. You, it can't be, it, it can't be fake. It can't be, they, they these kids are like sharks in the water. They, you, you know, a drop of blood, they, they pounce on it. They, they know when you're being real and, and they know when you're being fake. So I, I truly build, you know, real relationships and, and help them build intrinsic motivation so they can actually, you know, be self-motivators. Absolutely. How, how do you handle discipline issues when those inevitably crop up within your position group? Maybe it's a kid not going to class. Maybe it's a kid does something, you know, dumb off the field or maybe even on the field. You know, how do you handle those? And, and what are you doing to prevent those those things from popping up in the first place? I try to handle all situations evenly. But as you know, each individual, each kid is different. Um, we may have some type of, you know, chore for them to, to do, but outside of them doing whatever they have to do to kind of make up for what they did wrong, some of those guys, you know, you can let them go on their way. You can kind of understand that, okay, they're going to they're gonna fix that. They made a mistake, and I get it. We have enough comp- We have a good enough relationship, and I know him very well. He's going to do this. Some of them, you know, like, I need to go talk to this kid um, after we go through this disciplinary stuff on the field here or whatever we have to do. Um, so each kid is different, you know. Some kids you can bring in and have a great conversation with them, man, they'll go ahead and change their entire outlook on everything. Some of them, it goes in one ear and goes out the other. It's like raising your own kids, you know. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> every kid is different. Every kid is very different, you know. And uh, my seven-year-old is completely different than my one-year-old, and both of them are, you know, it, it, it's just unique in its own way. And every every kid is just like that when, you, when you're coaching them. Because they're like having your own children, and they're different. So I, I treat it differently, depending on the individual. Yeah, I think uh, Urban Meyer said it in his book, uh, Above the Line, about you know, whenever you have a, a breakdown within your organization, within your team, or whatever, that the impulse is to get furious. But he says, you know, instead of getting furious, we need to get curious. And and I right. think that that's a, a really a good lesson for us coaches to to remember when we're when it comes to the matter of handling discipline with our kids, because you know it's easy to get furious at the behavior, and you know, and and we should. I mean, that's we probably should. But then we also need to to get curious as to you know why is that kid acting that way? Is there something going on at home, or is there something that that's not being addressed that we need to address? Uh, you know what's going on in our program that would allow that to happen or make him think that that's okay. And so I think that that's really where the growth comes in when we as coaches get curious and and evaluate and think you know why did that happen in the first place? Yeah, and that, and that's very much so true. I, I've I've dealt with different type of players and. They go through things in life, and sometimes you don't know until you actually talk to that kid and get to know him. You know, and that's that's what coach is talking about: getting curious versus getting curious. You know, you can get curious, but you got to take a you got to take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize that this kid has a life outside of football. You know, and and what is he dealing with outside of football other than just football and school? You know, we, we get so caught up in just football and make sure this kid has the right grades, make sure he's eligible to play football. But what else is he going through? You know, and I, I had a kid come to me one time, and literally, I, I knew something was wrong with him. And I'm not gonna say his name, but the kid was going through some stuff with his girlfriend. He had just found his girlfriend cheating on him, 
a girlfriend of three years, and he's in love. He's, I mean, he's a heck of a player for starting for. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, at the time during practice, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know he wasn't himself. So I kept asking through practice. He was like, just kind of like, I'm good, coach. I'm good. Like, yeah, something's wrong with him. I know something's wrong with him. So after practice, I pulled him to the side and, you know, like I said, to talk to me. I mean, he broke down and started crying. I mean, grown man just started crying. Like, coach, I just found my girlfriend cheating on me. And I was, I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, you know, but I had to deal with it. I had to handle that so he could handle life, so he could handle school, and he can handle football. Right. And all that had to be kind of, you know, played the right mm-hmm. way. And if you don't, and uh, those kids are – they can, they can mentally, they can, they can check out, you know. So uh, you got to get curious for sure. Uh, I agree with that 100%. If I were to, uh, let's say I were to come up there to, uh, to Richmond and, and follow you around for a day uh, in season, uh, follow you and your position group around, you know, at practice and meetings, just talk about some things that I would notice and see or that you would at least hope that I noticed and, and saw uh, and just the way you interact with your players, the way they interact with each other, things you're telling them, that sort of thing. You'll see fun, love, caring, um, ener- energetic, um, um, enthused, knowledgeable coach, and you'll see some kids that, that love their coach. I mean, it's, it's for those kids to come around and, and – and, you know, a full day of in-season, of course, I'm in meetings all day. You kind of, you're game planning, you're drawing cards, you're getting ready to practice. But when, you know, 2 o'clock hits, those kids come in that building, or 1.30 hits, they come in that building, they come in there, and they, they bring the food in my office, and they're sitting there and eating in my office. And the meeting doesn't start for another hour, but they're eating, and we're talking. This is before the meeting, and we're talking about life. And we're talking about their day. How was, how, how was their day, you know? And, and then we get to the meeting. And we go from there, and you'll you'll be able to tell them those meetings if those kids really care, or if they, you know, like their coach. You know, it's kind of obvious. Um, you know, I'm 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 a person that's not too serious. You know, I I, I understand. I, I like I said, I lost both of my parents. You know, I, so I'm not too serious. So when we are coaching a football game, you know, yes, it's my livelihood, and I love it, and I got a passion for it, but it's a game. You know. It's not life. So I let these kids know that life is bigger than football, period. I went through too much in my life to think football is, is the high and mighty. It's all. The, the, it's, it's everything. It's not. You know, yes, it's livelihood. Yes, it pays the bill. Yes, I love it. Yes, I have a passion for it. Yes, it's all I've done in my entire life. But it's not who I am, you know, and I try to teach them that. You, know, you, you, you can be a great football player. And you will be leaving here, you know, with me coaching. You're going to be great, in my mind at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I, I let them know that life is, life, is, life is bigger. Life is more than just football. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm not too serious. We'll, we'll joke, we'll laugh. And when it's time to get serious, we get serious. But those kids, man, they can tell that I'm genuine, I'm real. And I am who I am, and that's kind of – why I say recruiting is easy for me because that's who I am. I am genuine. I am real. I am honest. Um, you know, and, and they can they, they feed off that. My my players feed off that. So you'll see a a real genuine person that's high energetic, enthused, and, and happy, and caring, and you know, and you see some kids that are the same way because they're going to be just like who their coach is. They're going to you know imitate or uh, emulate um, exactly what they get from their coach. 
Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I think that's important, a point you made about helping kids understand, and we as coaches are guilty of this too, that our identity is not wrapped up in, in football. Like, you know, they're not, you know, their identity is not wrapped up in the fact that they're a football player. And just like our identity shouldn't be wrapped up in the fact that we're, you know, a coach somewhere, that, that there's a whole lot more to life than that. And, and I think that that's really important for the players to see that in our lives. And then, and also uh, they can understand that, that, uh, when they're done playing football, life's not over. You know, uh, for most of them, right. they still got a lot of life to live. And and if if all they did was pour into being a great football player, then then they're gonna you know really be behind when when those days are done. Let's talk about some D-line play now. Uh, you know, when it comes to coaching up your guys, what aspect of D-line play do you enjoy coaching the most? Well, let's just say it like this: I was talking to an older coach yesterday. You know, and he was telling me, so you do a great job at having practical drills. And, and what, what, what he meant by that is your drills trans, translate to what is going on in the game. Every drill that I do is not going to be a drill that's be doing a drill because, you know, you check the box. Every drill that I do is going to be a drill that's going to help them be better football players in that game that we have that week. So I don't have, like, I have one, you know, everyday drill, and that's, that's press the peak tackle, you know. You know, uh, basically, you know, primary, primary gap, secondary gap tackling. Right. You know, that's the only drill that I do that's an everyday drill. Other things, we go through the week. Uh, we game plan, of course, as coaches, and we see what we need to do to get better for this particular game. Um, so, you know. Of course, you know, Pete Dinkins, the hips and hands, you know, coming through your hips and violent hands and violent feet to follow and, you know, exploding into your into your defender um, and basically, you know, restricting him and, and getting big in your gap, you know, you know, winning your gap um, and having great eyes with all that stuff. That's, that's you know, that's a, a no-nonsense type stuff. That's going to happen anyway as a defensive lineman in, in, in every day. But, my drills for you know, understanding what's going on for that week are particular each week. You know, they're going to change. It's not going to be like, oh, all right, well, today, my player's not going to be like, oh, today we're doing this drill, that drill, this drill. Right, now today you're going to be doing this. Okay, it's something new. All right, we're learning a new, a new skill every, let's say, every other day, you know. So I teach practical uh, drills that are for what we are going against. So I, I feel like whatever whatever the flavor is for that week that we need to stop is, you know, what I like to coach. I get I get a I, I get a uh I guess a, a boost of energy and I, I get, you know, kinda hyped up about stopping that that team's offense. So, you know, and I always tell my, my defensive lineman like you gotta be violent, you gotta create another line of scrimmage. I, I I get excited when I see my defensive linemen striking offensive linemen and knocking them back, you know, and and during the drills that I've taught them to do in the game. I was talking to my wife about it the other day, like, man, those drills are working. <laughs> you, you sit on film, you know, I see my guys striking, guys pressing, you know, peaking, primary gap, secondary gap, arm over, making a tackle or a loss, like, man, that's the drill. You know, I see my guys, you know, using pass rush moves, you know, two arms, two, two hands swipe. Um, uh, you know, just doing different things to just 
to show me that every day, every every drill that I'm and I'm that I'm doing at practice is, is actually, you know, uh, is working. You know, and and it's a it's a, it's a, a pleasurable thing to, to to see. So when you say in particular what I what I like to coach, I just like to coach violent, hard nosed defense alignment that are that are are, are really 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 coachable. You know, so they're stopping the run is. Heck, you gotta do that before you can before you can rush the passer, right? So, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, in, in my mind, stopping the run is very important, you know. And we'll have fun chasing the quarterback down on third and long once we stop the run. A couple of tackles for loss here and there, you know. So, I, I, I love stopping the run. I'm, I'm a huge Pete Jenkins guy. That's one of the reasons why I, I got this job here. I met Pete Jenkins when I was at UAB when he spoke there. I've you know, I met Pete Jenkins since I've been here a couple times at, at the University of Kentucky. Uh, went over there and, and, and clinic with with them over there, and, and got opportunity to, like I said, meet him again and and learn a lot of different new new techniques that he does. And and, it, and it's a blessing to see that I'm teaching the same stuff. It's like it's the same stuff, man. And he's excited about it. He, and when he sees my face, he knows he's an older guy now. So, but. He's gonna forget. He's gonna have a nickname for everybody. It's <laughs> kind of how he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he will remember me from from a nickname that we got. But I got when I clinic with him. But everything that he did to stop the run, that's what I'm teaching now. You know, but with my own little flavor to it, my own little you know name for whatever right. case may be. Just right. like every other coach, they, right. they take drills from everybody and they they make it their own. And that, that's what I do. So that I got that Pete Jenkins sled, man, and he strike that thing religiously, you know. And it's and it's one of the things that has has helped us stop the run. That has helped us create, you know, another line of scrimmage in the backfield. You know, tackles for loss, which I think we had forty two in nine games, um, sacks, um, you know, and and all that good stuff. It, it, it came with doing those drills, those drills with hips and hands. Feed and, and having great eyes, great extension, primary gap, secondary gap, eyes on your primary key. You know your primary key telling you what to do, telling you what this play is. And you know I really like teaching the scheme of things. To be honest with you, I like to be able to talk to my defensive lineman and tell them, okay, you got a two-man surface, you got a three-man surface over here. Okay, with this three-man surface, no matter if it's a sniffer, a hip tight end, or a catch tight end, it's still a three-man surface in your mind because this week, this three-man surface means one thing for you, outside zone this way. So now on the backside, you know you'll probably get a cut block because they cut on the backside of the outside zone. All right, on that front side there, just be looking to get a double team right there. They're going to keep riding and kind of work their way up. So now we know what to do. Now when I get up, I'm on the sideline and I see three-man surface, they see it, they know what's coming. And now I can give him a, a call from the sideline, a hey, charge technique, charge technique. Go ahead and shoot that gap right now, get vertical, box the, the outside zone out, man, and let our linebackers run. If we're going to make the play, they're going to make the play. And we all have fun. So stuff like that, understanding where the, where the running back is, you know, and, and, and what runs we can get, you know, from where the running back is aligned. Is he a pistol? Is he, is he gun away? Is he near? You know, so it's, Things like that, I like teaching my guys because I like them to take that with them later on. If they want to want to, want to become a coach, they're going to know how to become a coach. They're going to see everything I taught them and know what I taught them and they're going to understand it. They're going to be able to coach themselves. Yeah, I'm with you on the on the drills. You know, going back to to, to the what you're saying about drills and building drills, b building practical drills that you're going to see in a game. 
Uh, that's one of my favorite things is, okay, you know, like, for instance, for us, you know, last week we're playing a wing T team, all right? And then this week we're playing a, a team that's going to air it out. So your individual is going to look vastly different when you're playing those two types of offenses, right? I mean, yeah, there, you're right. There are some staples that you always do that you always hit, but then what you're trying to do and how you're trying to accomplish it is is different from week to week. And so that it requires, you know, a tailored drill plan or a tailored individual period um, so that you guys can, you know, work on what they need to work on specifically that week. I think if you just have a, you know, a cookie cutter individual period, well, it's Monday and this is what we do on Mondays. Now it's Tuesday. This is what we do on Tuesdays. You know, I, I think that you're, you're, you're missing out and there's going to be some holes in your kid's game. But I, I do, I, I'm with you on that. I like thinking up drills and, and they're not always brand new drills, but just kind of going back in the library and thinking, all right, this is what we got to fix or what we got to work on this week. What do I have or what can I get that that's going to help us do right. that? Uh, right. That's always a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, I, I think kind of like what you're talking about there as well, like getting the information from an offense, like scouting an offense and now giving that to your players and, and, you know, just seeing them kind of like, oh, okay. And, and they, they get, they understand what it means and, and, and they see something come up and they, and they recognize it from something you told them. That's all uh, a lot of fun when it comes to, uh, you know, getting your kids ready for the game. No doubt. And, and you got to drill that too now. You got to drill it, you know. And I, and I part those guys up through half line and we'll, you know, I'll show them the looks that we're going to see for that week and, and, you know, what type of three man service we're going to see, what type of, you know, uh, alignment with the running back we're going to see. And, and then I will make them yell it out at practice. Hey, watch outside zone. Watch ISO. Watch ISO right here. Hey, watch the inside zone right here, right here. Running back. Hey, running back behind the quarterback. That inside zone coming. Running back even, even outside zone. Your way, baby. Your way, your way. That type of deal. Like communication. And understanding what's coming and seeing what's coming. Having great eyes. You know, not just great eyes during the snap, but great eyes, great eyes pre-snap. Understanding what's coming. So you understand the block, what's coming for you. The game is going to be slower for you going to be the play the blocks a lot better because you know what's coming percentage wise anyway you know it's going to be some wrinkles in the game where heck we in the midseason and those 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 offensive guys scheme up things too you know they go in and self-scout and see what they need to switch up well man, hey, every time we're doing this right here if we do this let's switch it up this week because you know they these guys are probably going to see what we see you know but that's kind of what we do too on the defense side we self-scout so it, it's 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 a great chess match every week. I I I love it. I I enjoy I enjoy this thing. This thing called coaching. <laughs> That's right. Well, and you know, look when when your kids start communicating, you know, pre snap, and they're they're calling out stuff that that you know, so you know they've been watching tape, you know they've been looking at scouting reports, so they've been paying attention, and they're 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 making all these calls, and and then they you know they execute something. I mean, it almost makes you just want to cry. I mean, really, because you're like, that. man, there it is. <laughs> they finally got it, you know. Right. And then you know, sometimes you get back into the next week and Monday, it's it's you start all over again. But you know, there's nothing like on you know Wednesday, Thursdays, you get later in that week of preparation, and you can tell the guys got it, and they're humming and flying around in the football and and playing with a lot of confidence. Well, let's talk about this. You know, what's one thing this season has taught you uh, or that you've learned from your experiences through this season now looking back on it as you guys just wrapped up uh, this, this, this 2020 season? Huh. Man, this 2020 season has been very unique, to say the least. Um, you know, we started off, and the, the schedule changed three or four times, and heck, we got into the season. We didn't know if we were going to have this player or that player due to COVID, you know, contact tracing. And, you know, it was 
so much that we had to deal with outside of just coaching the game of football. You know, normal a normal season, you got to deal with academics and some disciplinary stuff. You know, you got academics, you got disciplinary, you got COVID tests every week. You got, you know, praying and hoping your kids don't go out and catch COVID at the gas station getting gas. Right, <laughs> you know, or going right. to get a drink from the gas station and they don't have their mask on. You know, and, and you kind of educate them every day. Like, look, wear your mask. You have to. And just be safe. And, you know, you're hoping your kids don't go out to some house party or something. These are college kids. You know, they're going to do what college kids do. So you, you're trying to make them just understand that this is very important. It's not just you going out. It's your entire team going out if you go out. You know, it, it's not just you not wearing your mask. It's, it's your entire team that you're hurting if you don't do those things you know, the proper things to, to, to help us continue playing this season. And we knew we had nine games, and thank goodness, thank God, we got nine games in. You know, it was a tough, 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 tough year mentally for everybody. I think what we learned from this is that we can get through a lot. We can. We, we, can, we can do a lot if we do it together and we do it the right way. We didn't have a lot of issues with COVID. We didn't have a lot of kids test positive. Um, the ones that did test positive, we, we dealt with the issue at the time and what we had to do to keep those kids out. And they came back when they could come back. And they picked right back up where they left off from. We didn't have a lot of major injuries. And we didn't have a lot of disciplinary stuff off the field at all, to be honest with you. And, and, and the grade situation has been pretty good. So we've learned that if we can go through this season and deal with COVID and deal with everything else that's going on in the world right now, man, this next season should be a breeze, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going to say. I think that, you know, hopefully if things are back to, to you know, normal uh, next football season, that I think that we're going to take a lot of the things that we used to take for granted. I think we're going to appreciate those, you know. Uh, no not having to wear a stupid mask, you know, and, and when, it's, when it's 110 degrees in, in fall camp. And then also when it's cold outside and your breath is making it wet, you know, that's not fun either. Um, no you, know, you know, not having to hound your kids about it, you know, not having to, like you said, not having to worry about if are my, are my kids going to get it by, you know, going to a gas station or something, just all these little things, you know, a full, a full stadium and the headache right. of dealing with tickets and all that stuff, you know, all those things that maybe we never even thought about. Uh, I, I think that could be a silver lining for sure as we move on from this season. Well, coach, this is our last episode of, of season two of this podcast and so we are uh, when, when this when this airs we are we'll, we'll be in december in the month of december which is christmas and so we're going to close right. out today with some christmas questions for you what do you think you think you can handle that yeah let's do it all right coach now um all right so it's the time of year for giving gifts and so here's my question for you coach when it comes to giving gifts are you a wrapping paper guy or a gift bag guy? Like, are you going to give a present and wrapped up or stuff it in a gift bag? <laughs> well, it's funny you ask that because usually uh, before I married my, my wife, I was a gift bag guy, you know, throw in the gift bag, put some papers outside of it, make it look all nice, right? right? Oh, yeah. Note on the card. But now my wife is totally into wrapping gifts. So we are gift wrappers around here. So I'm a gift wrapper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you too. And most of the gift wrapping falls to my wife and I'm terrible at it. like, and, I, and I'm really, this isn't me trying to be terrible at it. So I don't have to do it. Like when I do it, like it looks, it looks terrible. And, and so I, if, if it's just up to me, I'm definitely getting a gift bag, but yeah, I'm not a fan of wrapping gifts. All right, coach, when it comes to Christmas trees, okay. Are you guys a real tree or fake tree? 
definitely a fake tree. Those, those real trees, we got too much stuff to clean up afterwards. <laughs> so we're, we're a fake tree family over here. We take that fake tree down and put it in the garage and put it in storage or whatever. And they'll sit there the next year and bring that fake tree back out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got to say, I'm with you. You know, growing up, we were always had real trees and it just every year seemed like something happened. One year the tree died. And so if you even just walked within six inches of it, a thousand needles would fall off and it was just right. a huge mess having to water it. And and so now it makes it easy. My wife's allergic to, to real Christmas trees. So we got a fake tree and I got to say that, that I, that it's definitely, it's won me over. I can, you know, the, the, the lack of Christmas tree scent is a small sacrifice. You can get a candle or something if you really miss it. That There's much. no doubt. No All right. Well, you have young kids. I have young kids. And so Christmas is a lot more fun when, when you when you have kids and, and you can kind of see it again through their eyes. So I'm, I'm curious when it comes to on, on Christmas Eve, will you guys be leaving out cookies and milk for Santa or you got something else for him? Yeah, we leave out milk, um, cook, cook, cookies and milk for sure. Um, that's one thing that we did actually the last Christmas. Um, and we got to make sure we take a couple bites of those, those cookies That's and right. drink some of that milk. That's right. That's right. Now, <laughs> so Santa Claus got to come through and get some cookies and milk, you know. So, yeah, we definitely do that. We'll bake the cookies and have a whole deal with that, baking the cookies and setting the cookies out and having some milk, you know. And, yeah, we, we do all that type stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all, again. When, when you can, when you have younger kids and, and, and it's, it's all kind of new to them, that's, that's, that makes it fun for sure. Okay. Favorite Christmas song. What you got? So, so I'm, I'm new school now and I'm a Chris Brown fan. So I'm going to go with this Christmas by Chris Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's not a new song, but like the, his, his version of it. Is that remake? Of yeah. It, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. I like that song. Uh, okay. This Christmas. All right. Uh, favorite Christmas movie. Man, that's a tough one. I got so many. That's a tough one. Favorite Christmas movie. It would probably be, you know, because I have a younger, younger, younger kids. It would probably be The Grinch. Yeah. Okay. The Grinch is yeah, solid for so. sure. All right. Now we're going back, back in time here with this question. Uh, can you tell me your your favorite Christmas present that you've ever gotten or that you remember getting? Favorite Christmas present. <laughs> so. When I was younger, I wanted this, this bike, a certain bike, so bad. And it had, like, the, the little pegs on the side of it. It's like one of those oh, yeah. bikes you can do tricks on and all this stuff. BMX bike. I yep. was so excited about getting that bike, man. And I remember when I got that bike, and when I fell down and scrubbed up my knees and everything, I didn't want that bike anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that bike, man, I was super, I was super excited about getting that bike and trying out all these tricks that I've seen all these guys do on TV. And when I found out I couldn't do that, I was like, okay, well, cool bike to ride around still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bike's always a solid Christmas present. I remember getting my bike when I was a kid and that was, that was definitely one that sticks out to me. All right. If you could give one present to your D line group as a whole, what would it be? I'm going to go with the path plus ability. All the abilities of Aaron Donald. Wow! If I can yeah, get all be, my guys to play like Aaron Donald. You know, it would be good, right? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> gift. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't be there at, at Eastern Kentucky very long if you had all those guys playing like like Aaron Donald. That you'd be getting snatched no, up. No doubt. Somebody. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think all of us, all of us would would like to, to to give that gift to our guys. Well, Coach, 
Uh, want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. And I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and closing out this season of, of Keep Your Pads Down for us. Really enjoyed talking with you today and, and just want to wish you the best of luck in 2021. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. You're doing a heck of a job. And um, it's a blessing to, to be on the last episode of season two. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, too. So, and, and I appreciate everything. Thanks once again to Coach Hawkins for joining us today. Great stuff from him today and loved what he had to say about building relationships with players, uh, hearing about his approach to recruiting. Uh, interesting stuff. Give Coach Hawkins a follow on Twitter at Coach J Hawkins. Let him know you heard him here on KYPD. And if you want to send Coach an email, you can find his email address in the show notes of today's episode. We also got a link to another podcast that Coach was on. If you want to hear more from him, check that out as well in the show notes of today's episode. Our quote of the day goes like this. Never set limits. Go after your dreams. Don't be afraid to push the boundaries. And with that, we will put a bow on this episode and this season of Keep Your Pads Down. As I mentioned before, we're taking the month of December and the first couple of weeks of January off. But have no fear. We'll be back in January with brand new content for you and some interviews that I'm really excited about. We will continue to bring you D-line-centric content. But... Like always, we'll, uh, we'll step out of that realm some. So uh, anyway, be sure to subscribe now if you haven't already done so. Tell your coaching buddies about us. Go back and check out any of our episodes that you might have missed. And then catch back up with us in January. when We kick off season three of KYPD with episode number 88. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year to you and your loved ones. Take some time to count your blessings this holiday season. Keep your spirits up. But of course, as always, keep the path down.